So yes. Hello and welcome to the From Montana to Portugal podcast. I am so excited today. I was just telling my guests that I could barely sleep. I was so excited about our conversation today. Uh, today's guest that I'm interviewing, his name is Steve Dancy. And he describes himself on Substack as a Southerner loving living in Portugal. And for those of us in the U.S., we understand the term Southerner. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to let Steve share a little bit more about who he is and his journey here in a minute. And I just want to thank him so much for being here. So thank you, Steve, for um, agreeing to do this interview. I appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. I love talking about Portugal. Oh, Good. Good. Well, our <laughs> listeners love hearing about Portugal, and I love hearing about Portugal. So tell me, how did you do this? How did you move from the U.S. to Portugal? And you can take as long as you want to share this story. It's my favorite part of asking people is, is the a bit of the how and the why. Well, I've, I've answered that question so many times. I have the short version, the long version, the mid-sized version, the three-fourths version. So uh, I'll, I'll give you the shorter version. I retired last year uh, from active full-time ministry in the Episcopal Church. I was ordained uh, a Baptist pastor many, many years ago, back in the 80s, and uh, in early 2000s, made the jump over to the Episcopal Church <clears throat> and uh, was ordained a priest and uh, now serve uh, not only in the Episcopal Church, but in the Church of England, uh, the diocese in Europe. So that's a little bit about me, um, <clears throat> which does link in with the story, actually. Yes, of course. <clears throat> because as I began to approach um, what I had said as a as a retirement date, um, I like to plan ahead uh, and think things through. So this journey started several years ago, and uh, David, my husband, and I began to talk about uh, what I would do, what we would do, where we would end up. Um, my last parish was near Seattle, Washington. A lovely place, lovely people, but the cost of living is off the charts. Oh, off the charts. So yes. um, that that began to um, that began to lead us into a discussion of moving somewhere that was a little more affordable <laughs> uh, when one of us is retired. So we looked at several places: uh, Mexico, uh, South America, Central America. Um. And I would say over the period of six, seven months, it was the topic of conversation maybe once a week. Mm, and mm. we began to rule out uh, different countries. And I ran across an article, and I can't even remember much about the article or where I read um, the article. Um, but it, it was uh, an article on Portugal and people retiring there and enjoying it. And so I said to David, why don't we check it out? So I guess it was about maybe six months after I read that article, we booked a trip to Portugal and did kind of the grand tour over a 10-day period of time, starting in Lisbon, going around the country, and we fell in love with it. Went back home, talked some more, did a whole lot more research. I came back the next year 
and led a, a pilgrimage uh, from Porto up to Santiago de Compostela. And then he came over and we spent some more time up in the north. And our plan was to come back every year mm. um, to do research and just to make sure this would be a good fit for us. So we did that um, with an interruption. Yeah. <laughs> of course, the big, the big interruption. The with big all, interruption. In all caps. Um, but um, even during the, the, I guess, the, the winding down of the pandemic, when things were still pretty restricted, we were able to come back to Portugal at the end of uh, my sabbatical and uh, discovered that the country was handling it so well. Vaccines were so readily available. Testing, you could walk into a dozen places within a few blocks and get tested. Um, and that, that impressed us, that they were able to carry on business um, and, and some leisure um, and at the same time be safe. So we got a bank account <clears throat> during that time period and uh, went through the process of getting the, the, the fiscal number, the, the NIF, N-I-F, and started the process of putting everything in place to immigrate to Portugal. Mm. So <clears throat> the, end, the end story is that um, I set my retirement date and announced it to my congregation, and uh, which was August of this past year. And uh, we came over last May and were able to find a wonderful apartment uh, mm. on our second day here with the help of a great realtor and uh, got the keys at the end of the week and moved a few things in and then went back and prepared to make the move. and to sit for our um, interview with the SCF, the, uh, that's the entity that does the vetting for the, the Portuguese government. for the Which is now changing, is my understanding. Uh, They're changing yeah, the name. System. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's not only the name, it's the whole system. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how that works out. By about 2050, I figure we'll know. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope they know by the time they look at my application. That's all I want. I, I mean, yeah. I, I think they'll figure it out. I, yeah. they, they know that people uh, want to come here and uh, it, it's helpful to the economy. Um, so th I think they'll figure it out. We, I, I guess we've been lucky. Um, we hear stories of people who are immigrating and they come for their interview here or they try to get her driver's license and it's a nightmare. And I, our experience has been, it's been smooth and easy. So I don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> God is on your side. <laughs> I mean, you know, but God is on everybody's side. Yes. God so, is on everybody's side know, for sure. <laughs> the, theologically there's, there's, that's a black hole. <laughs> yeah. We won't yeah. go there, but we'll just say that yeah. you've had a you've had a, a great experience, which not everyone yeah, it, has. But it's it, it it's been stressful at times, and you just have to be patient and take it one step at a time. Just be organized, tick it off, 
Okay, today we're going to talk about what we're taking and what we're not taking. And tomorrow we're going to throw some things away. Um, and next week we'll book getting our pet over. And it, it you just, if, if you have a method and stick to it, um, nine times out of 10, I think you'll be fine when you do something like this. But it, it's a journey. It's a, it's a full-time job. Yeah, that's what I discovered when we started looking at doing all of it as well. We've been talking about it for a few years. And I think that's common. What I'm hearing from a lot of people is common to, to, that it takes a few years um, for everything to align and for housing to be lined up and, and a few other yes. things. Yes. So. I, I, I've, I've seen that people who try to do it quickly start making mistakes Mm -hmm. And um, we we have some new friends here who I think um, I think everything's going to work out for them. Yeah. But they pulled the trigger very quickly and they they ended up in a place I'm not sure they really like. Yeah. Um, but, you know, from from their point of view, they're here now. Right. And they can you know, you can figure it out if you get we've just been very, very fortunate, I think, in that. We love our apartment. Uh, we have great neighbors. Um, so we landed on both feet, I think. You did. Yeah. And I, for listeners, I discovered Steve through his writing on Substack. And you can find his um, his newsletter there. I'll, I will link it in the show notes as well. And Steve will share the name. But it's Letters from Lisbon. And what I love about your essay, Steve, is that you you really don't focus on the bureaucratic details. You're focused more on on life and what you're enjoying, and and that's probably because you haven't had to deal with as many hurdles maybe as as other people have. Yeah. Yes, I think so. And there there are others uh, that I've subscribed to who do share the bureaucratic details. Yes. So you can find that, but I I didn't want to get into the weeds on that. I wanted to yeah. share experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, you know, the, the ups, the emotional ups and downs, the joys, the frustrations of, of immigrating to another country. And I, yeah. I've stopped, I think both of us are at a point where we've stopped calling ourselves expats. We don't mm -hmm. want to be expats. Mm -hmm. We want to be immigrants because we want to be a part of the country and the culture and contribute to it. Um, and learn Portuguese, you know, within the next decade. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I'm taking Portuguese right now from afar. And, and we have a teacher in Lisbon who's phenomenal, but I was joking with a friend. It's a lot of shiz. Yeah, a lot, a lot. And they drop, they drop uh, syllables, they drop words, they yeah, and you, but I think if you, I'm I'm surprised at how much I'm beginning to understand now. Yeah. And we've only been taking lessons, I think about four months now. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm surprised today I was on the train and I heard some people talking and I, I could understand a few of the words. So I, I got the gist. So if someone is making fun of me or... <laughs> you know, saying bad things about me. I think I can pick it up now and give them the evil eye. Yeah. So, but it, <laughs> it, it just takes time. 
and immersion it. helps. Immersion yeah, it helps does. a lot. It, it sure does. Yeah. We're, we walk around with lists of words. Doug quizzes <laughs> me over while I'm making dinner or vice versa. And um, that's, it's, it's, it works, but it's not going to work in, as well until we actually get there, I'm sure. So, no, but I think you'll be surprised that um, when you do get here, that those words, you'll, you'll recognize the words. Yeah. And you may not know the, the meaning of them, but you'll, you'll recognize the word and then your brain starts to put together the meaning with the word. So I would keep, I would keep doing that. I, I do that every day. Yeah. I have a little list and I forget it, you know, the next day, but the next week I might be on the Metro doing my uh, lesson and that word comes back to me. So it's, yeah. yeah. The brain is a miracle. Uh, it is. How we, how we sort things out. So tell me, um, you are a Southerner who loves Southern cooking. And yes. I want to find out more about Portugal food. I, I was sharing with Steve via email that I, one of his essays that I love so much is the one where you shared, you know, um, the smell of bacon frying and all of the, the tangible smells and tastes of Southern cooking. And then um, you shared, I think early on that you brought some things with you that you were concerned yes. you wanted to make sure you had access to good Southern. Could you share a little bit about that? Yes. Um, my, my mother and my grandmothers were great cooks. And um, after, after college um, and after, well, I guess, I guess I was about 30, 35 years old and had gone through a divorce. And so I had to cook for myself and for my son. So I, I picked up cookbooks. I talked to my grandmothers um, and they instilled in me a love for, for cooking um, and the meaning of, you know, being get, gathering around the table for, for a good hearty meal. And there is uh I can't remember the, the saying in Portuguese, but um, the same is true here. Food and gathering friends and family around the table to drink wine and lots of wine and lots of food is at the core of the cultural life here. Mm. So um, that's been great to explore. Uh, mm -hmm. But I did, I did want to bring over some things with me because, you know... <laughs> My approach to this has been, um, I don't want to drag a whole lot of American stuff with me, you know, sure. American culture and a dryer and a washing machine and a, you know, a, a, a huge SUV. Let's just go in the country and learn to live like the Portuguese. But there were a few things that I was really unwilling to, to give up. <laughs> um, my cast iron where my two skillets. Um, and my Dutch oven mm, have mm. been a part of my life for a long time. And we packed those in a suitcase and brought wow. those over uh, when we when we made the move over. Um, yeah, that that was about the 50 pound limit. And I was going to say, what? how many pounds was that? <laughs> 
that was a suitcase. Um, and I brought a big supply of, uh, of Jim Dandy grits, which is the okay. go-to grit in the okay. South. I grew up in Alabama. Um, and I brought cornmeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they have cornmeal here, but it's not quite like it is in the United States. So okay. I wanted access to Southern cornmeal so I could make cornbread. I love it. And did you make, have you made cornbread? Since yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Are yeah. you running I low? It's all the time. Yeah. Every, just about every meal I cook, I use those. We use cast iron for a long time. And if for listeners who haven't used cast iron, it takes a long time to season them, get them to the right. I mean, you have, you put a lot of love into, mm -hmm. into cast iron and a lot of wrist action. They're, they're, they're pretty heavy. hefty. Yeah. 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 You will, you will learn that. Um, that's amazing. So you're glad you brought it. You, you, you're glad you brought those things. Yeah, I am. And one thing I've noticed about the, the food here and, um, the food in the South, um, both cuisines are hearty mm -hmm. and um, feature a lot of pork. They oh, love interesting. Pork here. So you, there are about 100 restaurants within three or four blocks of where we live. Mm -hmm. And they all, they all prepare pork. All of them have pork on the menu. The only thing I have not been able to find here is um, American-style bacon so that you can crisp it up really well. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot thicker here. It's a different cut, so it's not so easy to find really good bacon. Mm. Um, but everything else you can find. And um, I had wild boar last week for the first what? time. I've never eaten it, and it was delicious. But the sauces... Um, in that wild boar reminded me of um, of smothered chicken that my grandmother used to make or smothered pork chops. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of similarity, a lot of um, reliance on sauces here. Mm -hmm. um, they love chicken. And there is a thing here. Uh, there's chicken peri-peri, obviously, but especially in the smaller towns, there will be a restaurant. Usually it's takeout only. And the name of it will be something like Mr. Chicken. And they fry or they smoke their chickens and people line up, you know, by the dozens to get chicken. And that, that, that reminds me of, uh, of home as well. But I, t I tell you, there's, some of the best meals I've ever eaten in my life. And we've, I've eaten all over the world. Well, yeah. almost all over the world. The food in Paris is wonderful and amazing. It's, it's a different cuisine. Mm -hmm. But some of the best meals that I've ever eaten in my life, I've eaten literally a block over from where I live in a little tiny hole-in-the-wall restaurant mm. where you have a, an up-and-coming chef, um, and they're, they're creative with their ingredients. Everything is fresh. Mm. And, uh, we had, we had a dish on my birthday that was a takeoff on 
on an enchilada, but Portuguese style. I don't even know how to describe it. And they served it with a margarita. <laughs> and that was that was one of the appetizers. So they I find the the Portuguese chefs to be very, very creative. Now the Toscas are the Portuguese uh, focused restaurants. So you're just going to get a regular traditional Portuguese meal at those. But there are just hundreds of restaurants in the country that play with the food and do a really, really good job. It, I, I, and the wine, I, the wine is off the charts amazing. Mm. Just you- incredible. And I've I'm looking forward to trying the green wines. The Vino um, Verde. Yes. Yeah, great. Really Refreshing. great. And you can we can go down to the little mini Mercado um, mm-hmm. on the corner, and we you can get a decent bottle of Vino Verde for three or four euro. Wow. Um, and it's meant to be, it's meant to be drunk in the in the summertime primarily, mm-hmm. but people drink it all year round. It's light and refreshing. Mm-hmm. And then you can buy a $40, 40 euro bottle mm-hmm. of Vigneault Verde as well. And you won't be able to tell that much of a difference in my opinion. Yeah. Well, that's good for those people <laughs> who want to save some money. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, and that was one of the things that attracted us to Portugal besides yeah. the, the people, the history. I'm a, I majored in history in college and I love history. And we went on a castle tour last week, four days. And it it was like being in a little piece of heaven. Um, The beautiful scenery, the 11th, 12th century castles. Yeah, there's so much here to explore and learn about. I love the photo of the boulder in your bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it, it we had rain um I guess it rained on us for maybe four or five hours total over a two day period at that location. <clears throat> and we couldn't figure out what was happening, but there was a a, a depression in that big boulder mm. that started filling up with water. Oh and it didn't run out on on the floor. But I guess the water was seeping through the boulder and coming up into mm-hmm. that depression. It was quite interesting. Yeah. I, for, <laughs> for listeners uh, who subscribe to Steve's, you'll find that he shares some really amazing photos of uh, places that he's traveled to in Portugal. So that's one of the other perks of reading his writing is you get to see some beautiful photography of, of just gorgeous places. And uh, you recently did a convent tour as well. Is that right? Yeah, right here in our neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and, and we just, there there's there are two. Um, mm-hmm. One is Sao Roque, which is, uh, still functions as a Roman Catholic church. The other one, I can almost spit on it, um, is a decommissioned church and convent built in the 15th, 16th century. And mm. they preserved it very, very well. And it's now a cultural center. Mm. And then um, a couple of blocks over from us is a convent that still functions as a convent. 
that cares for uh, blind and mentally uh, challenged women. Mm-hmm. We walked by there several times a week, had no idea it existed until this tour came up. So we went in and the director met us and gave us a little uh, introduction. And it was, it's a absolutely gorgeous space. Um, and then we got to see the sisters there taking care of these women. And I see them around the neighborhood now and am able to say hello and know who they are and what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, there, there's it's just like layers and layers and layers that you can uncover. And that's one thing I love about where we live. I think it will if we stay here, it'll take us probably four or five years just to uncover all those layers. And that doesn't include the restaurants and wine bars. <laughs> You've got so much to explore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we do, we do. Yeah, I mean, we have history in the U.S., but we don't really have history in the U.S. I mean, not at the same level that Europe has. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of history. And yeah. uh, I love loved American history, um, mm-hmm. especially the Revolutionary War period. Yeah. Um, and the, co- uh, the the period of the colonies. Um, but yeah, and, you know, one of the books that I've read, there's a book uh, entitled A Short History, A Short History of the Portuguese Nation. Um, there's several good Portuguese history books uh, written in English or translated. And so that's what I've been reading um, mm. a lot lately. Um, yeah. I recently ran across a book and I thought I had it up here so I could mention the title of it. Um, but it's a book on Lisbon, and the author um, chronicles, I think, about a hundred um, places that are off the beaten path that you won't find tourists. Mm. And these are just, they're amazing little nuggets, um, visual nuggets historical nuggets all over the city. Oh, wow. Well, um, I, I had asked you if, you know, if you, you are a reader, if you had book recommendations. So thank you for sharing because I'm, I'm reading some books on history slowly, um, about Portugal. They're, they're, they're written well, but it takes a while to get through them and really grasp, uh, grasp it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in the United States, and, and the same is true here, of course, yeah. but, you know, we started reading about American history in elementary school. Right. <laughs> then, you know, through college. And, and so you have 10, 12, 14, 16 years to take it all in. And we're trying to cram it in in yeah. six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, about- much longer historical period. About what I've got thus far is the age of the explorers. <laughs> I mean, I've got Vasco da Gama and, you know, a few <laughs> others. And that's, it's just the very tip of the iceberg. So. Yeah. And um, I can send you the, the title of this book. But a few months ago, I read a book just on the age of discovery. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating because I learned things about that time period that I'd never learned. And does literally dozens of history courses. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Um, yeah. yeah. When you think 
when you discover that, do send it my way. I'd be glad to pick that yeah, up. Yeah, I will. I'll, ha- I'll have to pull it out of my my boxes <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> well, let, let's. Uh, I'll ask some more controversial questions in the sense of, uh, so you're Episcopalian. What is it like to be in a Catholic uh, nation? Does it feel odd? Do you feel like the minority, or does it does it feel um, interesting? Tell tell me more about um, your experience from a religious perspective or spiritual perspective in Portugal. Um. Yeah, that, that's that's a good question, um, and one I I want to do some more writing about. Um, as you know, uh, Anglicans uh, call themselves the people of the Middle Way, mm-hmm. and going back to the uh, Queen Elizabeth the First, the Elizabethan settlement, it was a compromise between the Protestant arm of the church and the more Catholic or high church arm of the church. So we as Anglicans uh, have maintained like the hierarchy, bishops, priests, archbishops, deacons. Mm -hmm. Um, Our liturgy is very, very similar to the Roman Catholic liturgy because Mm -hmm. we believe we trace our origins all the way back to the beginning, just like they do in in the Orthodox traditions. So there are a lot of when I walk into a Roman Catholic mass here, the only problem is it's in Portuguese. Right. <laughs> Everything else I understand, and and I can pick up a lot of the scripture readings um, because I they're reading the same scripture readings that we as Anglicans are mm-hmm. um, on a particular Sunday. Um, this is a very secular nation. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's a Catholic church on every corner. They are not filled on Sunday. They are at Easter um, and at Christmas, just like in the United States. Right. But the majority of people here are secular. Mm. If you ask a Portuguese citizen um, who is not a member of another denomination what church they belong to, they'll tell you they're Roman Catholic. Mm. But that doesn't mean anything. They will go to a baptism or a wedding or a funeral but never really darken the doors of a church. And that's Mm. especially true of the younger generation. Mm. Part of that is because uh, under Salazar, there was such... uh, Salazar used the Roman Catholic Church and the the Catholic Church used Salazar to solidify their power. Mm. And so on the the walls of uh, school classrooms, there was a picture of Salazar and a crucifix. So church and state, we are one. Um, Which is very disturbing to me as an American citizen because once you start down that path, it can be really, really hard to to, uh, escape from that. And then... When it ultimately blows up in your face, which it always does, history mm-hmm. tells you it always ends badly. Yeah. And when it does, you lose generations of Christians. That mm-hmm. that's my opinion. But I yeah. I, I talk to people about it, Portuguese people who ha- who want to have they they don't want to have anything to do with religion or with the church anymore. 
Mm. But they're not disrespectful. Mm -hmm. um, and here in Lisbon, um, there are two Anglican churches uh, kind of under one roof um, as, as far as administration is concerned. And I um, and I'm, I'm on the clergy team as a, as a retired priest and assist and help out um, as, as needed. And those so, services are in English? Those services are in English, yeah, because mm -hmm. there's there's a large British community here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the the church St. Paul's at uh, Kaskesh, um is composed mostly of British expats. Mm -hmm. The church here uh, near us, St. George's, there are Anglicans from all over the world. And I, mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons why I love the congregation is because it's so international. Mm -hmm. Um, mm. and flavor. Um, and you just meet some of the most wonderful and interesting people. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's Christians and, and religious people, you know, of all of all types are in the minority here. But um, there's complete religious freedom and have never felt um, disrespected because of my religious beliefs. Oh, that's wonderful. That's really wonderful to hear. And uh, let's let's turn then and pivot to the essay that you wrote entitled The Land of the Free, which is one of my favorites of what you've written about, which was um, in part about being a same-sex couple in Portugal and that experience. Um, and <laughs> I I just had to laugh. I don't know if you meant it as funny, but it it, it came across. I'm sure there's frust was frustration as part of this, but uh, your description of your quote unquote gay lifestyle really made me laugh and and smile as well as a shatter, I hope, stereotypes that people have. And since it's Pride Month, I wanted to talk to you um, specifically yeah. about that. Here in the U.S., it's Pride Month. I don't know that it, it, it is there. It is here. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it is here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that touches a real nerve with me because yeah. I feel, um, well, we, this, this is just the truth. And, yeah. um, and and quite honestly, I'll be up front here. I've considered myself somewhat of a political independent. Mm -hmm. um, I don't lean that way so much anymore. You can probably figure out which way I lean yeah. politically. <laughs> but I get so tired of hearing terms like the gay lifestyle and woke and and um, because they really don't have any there's no substance behind it. It's just something that people throw out when they don't really have anything else to say. Yeah. Um, and when I first came out, I lost several really, really close friends because mm -hmm. they said that my decision was, uh, my decision was incompatible with bi biblical teaching because I was pursuing the gay lifestyle. And I didn't quite understand what they meant then. And I don't even, I think what they meant by that, um, you know, is promiscuous sexual mm -hmm. activity, um, being flamboyant or, you know, doing yeah. crazy, dangerous, risky things. And the truth of the matter is um, <laughs> there are heterosexuals 
but in much larger numbers, they are out here on our street every night by the thousands doing crazy things. Like last night, the rain was pouring down. There were hundreds of young people, mostly heterosexual, drinking, throwing up in the streets, falling on their faces on the slick ground, you know, the slick sidewalk, doing really terrible things. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a phrase that is really means nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what it, what is the heterosexual lifestyle? Exactly. <laughs> It's pretty, I was reading your description of yours and I'm like, well, that's pretty similar to ours. Um, just you know, a basic get up, do your, do your life. Um, and yeah, go to, go to church on Sunday, come back, yeah. you know, fix a big lunch. Yeah. Do language lessons during the week, take the dog out, get up, have breakfast, go work out, go to the grocery store, go to the butcher, go to the market, have dinner yeah. with friends, watch a movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's that the hasn't changed. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I and I I wanted to focus on that because I think uh, it's important this month as well to check to understand our language and how it affects people, and that you need yeah. when you put those kind of um, broad statements out there um, in a disparaging way without with a lot of ignorance. It's uh, first of all, not factually true and also just hurtful in a lot of ways to say those things. So I, I, I appreciated that essay on that level as well. It's just a, here's the facts of the matter, folks. Um, here's the crazy gay lifestyle that we lead, which is really uh, a, a very kind and gentle way of living. So um, yeah, I, that, that's been my experience. I mean, of and, course, you know, I, I know, gay men and, and women who do things that I would not do. I, I yeah. would not go there morally. Right. But I know just as many and quite honestly a lot more, <laughs> you know, people who are heterosexuals who do the same thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, it's, um, and and I'm, I'm very grateful, you know, that I that I found a church and a denomination that accepted me for who I was and um, allowed me to lead and and serve and grow and change. You know, where Christianity, in my opinion, is about the transformation of the self to be more like Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I. I think if that's what we concentrate on, mm -hmm. um, then we actually fulfill the mission of Jesus <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> rather than all of these other peripheral things that are quite honestly pharisaical. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and here in Portugal, we've never felt threatened or we've never been refused service of any kind. Mm. Bed and breakfast, Airbnbs, hotels, everywhere we go, we are welcomed and treated like royalty, just like anyone else. Um, yeah, we've ne I've, I've never experienced discrimination of any kind here. Now, I know there are some who have, mm -hmm. um, but we, we have not. And, mm -hmm. and they may not 
you know, some of the older generation probably does not agree with the fact that we are married and live together Mm -hmm. as a couple, Mm -hmm. but they are respectful and um, it's live and let live. You know, Mm -hmm. your business is your business and it's none of my business Mm -hmm. what you do when you shut the door. Mm -hmm. Um, As long as you're not harming anyone else. Yeah. So yeah, and they were, you know, Portugal was one of the first countries in the European Union to legalize Mm. same-sex marriage. Mm. So they were ahead of of a lot of other European nations in recognizing Mm. that what I I think is a fundamental right. Yeah, I would agree. Um, And they keep reiterating that. You know, we'll Mm -hmm. we'll hear more about it during June. Um, But it's it's really, it's... um, you know, when the Supreme Court in the United States um, allowed or, or, or opened the door for legal the legalization of same-sex marriage across the nation, it was uh, it was I don't know quite how to describe it. It was it was kind of like a part of a burden being lifted off your shoulder. Yeah. But there is still so much misunderstanding and prejudice in the country. And then you come here and it's like, oh, my gosh, I can breathe. I can take a deep breath here because I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about what the government might do next year based on whoever's elected to start taking away some of the rights that we work so hard to bring to everyone. Yeah. Um, so. End of sermon. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I preach on. Um, it was, yeah, I agree with that. And I, I've been feeling for um, for people who in the United States feel like their rights are being taken away or in jeopardy, especially the last, uh, well, last eight, eight to 10 years have been, been hard. Have um, been very hard. Yeah. 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 I have a good friend from growing up here. Uh, whose father was a Methodist minister and she became a Methodist minister and um, married the love of her life. And she recently posted some, um, some photos of them kissing in some historical spots in San Francisco that were, were excellent. I was so happy and and proud of her for doing that and, um, and sharing their love. And she's just one of a wonderful, wonderful person. And I'm so glad she's in ministry as well. And um, I'm delighted to, to play music that has been arranged and sacred music that has been arranged and written by um, a piano professor uh, from the University of Montana who um, is is a gay man. I'm, I'm not sure if he's married, but his uh, music is amazing. And um, it's just a delight to be able to play that in church. It's so easy in comparison to our regular hymns. He, he arranged it so that I could play it. So, yeah. <laughs> which is which is always helpful. <laughs> yeah, very helpful. Um, so I know uh, we don't have that much more time with you. Is there anything else that you want to share with people, any resources or tips that you feel like people should know who are considering a, a move to Portugal? Um, I, yes, I, I would say, you know, do your research. Um take take your time um be be patient with the process be patient with yourself and visit the country several times before you make a final decision um the the 
and I'm, excuse me, I want to, I want to do some more research on this, but I've been reading articles lately, um, trying to pinpoint the percentage of Americans that move here that eventually leave. And it's mm. a pretty high percentage. Mm. Uh, and of course, some people leave because of health problems or, yeah. and I have to, the healthcare here is absolutely amazing. Great. And we have private insurance. Um, we're, we're enrolled in the, in the uh, national system, but we use private insurance. It's very, it's extremely, I can't tell you how affordable it is, mm -hmm. how wonderful the doctors are, the state of the equipment, it's state of the art. Mm. Dental work here is affordable and amazing. Um, anyway, um, now where was I? <laughs> you, were, you were saying do your research because yeah, Americans you, do leave. Not everyone fits. Yeah, not yeah. you know, and and there there could be a death in the family or mm -hmm. family obligations or work obligations. But a lot of people live here because they just did not understand. Um, the culture well enough. Yeah. yeah. So talk to talk to talk to Portuguese people who live here. Yeah. Talk to people who've lived here for a while as immigrants, mm -hmm. and get the full story because not everything is wonderful restaurants and great wine and beautiful castles and you know the beach yeah. down on the Algarve. Um, there is a shadow side to life here. Mm -hmm. um, just like there is anywhere in the world. But if you know that going into it, then you're not disappointed and you're not taken by surprise. And I think a lot of people come here thinking um, it's all roses and no thorns and they get their finger pricked with a thorn and they throw up their hands and say, well, this is not what I expected. Um, yeah. So just go into it with your eyes wide open. And if that is your decision, um, then I think you can feel good about doing your due diligence, mm -hmm. um, which is really, really critical when you're thinking about moving to another country. Yes, exactly. And I'm in some ways grateful that it's taking us a while to, that we can't quite do it in a, in a heartbeat here. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much for those thoughts and reflections, Steve. I appreciate it. How can people find you? Where would you like them to go if they're looking for more information about um, your writing? Um, I am on Facebook. Okay. Um, my husband is on Instagram. I am not. I have not made that move yet. Um, but I'm on Facebook. So it's it's Steve Danzy, D-A-N-Z-E-Y. And then I think, I think the name of... My Substack is is Steve Danzy. Um, just a second. It's letters from Lisbon. I'm on letters it right from now. Lisbon. Yes, and it and... is. Uh, oh yes, I, I it's think... it's your go name, stevedanzy.substack.com. There yes. you go. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> you're welcome. Well, um, it's been such a pleasure, and I want to make sure that you you uh, are able to go to your next appointment in time. Thank you again, Steve, so much. You're uh, very I, welcome. This I hope I get to meet fun. you in person someday in yeah, Lisbon. Yeah, so. please come over and visit and um, we'll, we'll go on a little tour of the wine shop. 
down. <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds great. <laughs> and please tell David hello. And um, you just have a, a beautiful rest of your day. And um, I hope to, that we stay in touch. Thank you so much. You're welcome.